welcome to the A to Z Sports Preds Nashcast, aka One of Us Looks Like Nick Cousins. I am your host, Alex Darty, and I am joined by my co-host, Chris Link. Today on the show, the Preds are in a tailspin. If they haven't reached rock bottom already, they are hurtling towards it at a very high rate of speed for so many reasons. Um, well, one, they've lost three straight. They're 10 and 14, and they continue to not beat teams not named the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, they also have injury issues. We'll talk about those. Uh, they just have absolutely nothing going well on the ice for them. The team is in absolute disarray. Uh, and now there seems to be a pretty big gap between what the front office is seeing and what everyone else is. Um, I don't think there's a huge gap in between what I see and what Link sees, though. And uh, let's let's go ahead. No, I would and... say there there is a huge gap because oh, what, what I, is the I huge really gap? I don't think I look like Nick Cousins. <laughs> Neither does my fiance. So I, so I there think was there was a there was a moment there was a moment in the game where they they flashed to the to the to a shot of Nick Cousins on the bench. And he had his helmet on. And I just like for briefly for a moment I was like that looks like that looks like Link, hmm. and then like they shot they they turned away and then they turned back and they were like wait a minute that that doesn't look like him if you put glasses on him that looks like Link, oh. and I, I miss the days when I didn't wear glasses because uh, you know I left the house and would put contacts on because I much I hate I really don't like glasses, so I I, I don't know I. I there's probably not too many people that even know what you look like so that they they, they probably can't verify this but. Uh, I, I think I'm like fifty percent right. I think I'm, I think I'm I think I'm pretty close. I mean, fifty percent is is when it comes to similarity. Fifty percent is not a huge amount. Um, <laughs> that's like maybe a sibling or a cousin. Uh, right. Hey, maybe maybe both uh, Nick Cousins and I come from good German stock. Uh, you know, maybe we've got some. Maybe maybe our ancestors harken to the same region, uh, of of Germany. I think that's what's happening. And we have some some history there. Maybe maybe uh, at one point we were cousins. We, you know, we are like distant cousins. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I, I think that's possible. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about this uh, this Predators team because we have to. We're contractually obligated to talk about this Predators team because that's what this podcast is about. So uh, it's not fun. Um, but the Predators have lost. Yeah, three this podcast isn't fun. No, <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. The the Predators have lost three straight. Uh, they had a 4-2 loss to Carolina, a 5-4 loss to Florida, and then lo- yesterday on Saturday, a 6-2 loss to Florida. Somehow they made it worse. Um, what did you think about what you saw this week? Uh, how how bad was it? So it was bad. Um, now, I did not, unfortunately, I was not able to see the uh, Thursday game. So I don't really know what happened. I, I was dealing with new puppy stuff and gotcha. we were, I, I mentioned you being with the show. We were at the emergency room on Thursday and it was a long day. Um, so I did not get to see that game, but the other two, you know, I, I, two goals almost feels generous. Um, but at the same time, the, the, the fact that the Predators are still scoring goals despite losing these games, it continues to tell me that there is, there's something to this team that is not being supported in the right way, that is not being brought out, that is not being cultivated. Uh, Florida and Carolina, these are good teams. These are not weak teams. Two goals, you know, you're not going to win a ton of games with just two goals, but it's a good foundation. If you're not giving up four or six goals, you're in it. You can fight. You can battle. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I just, I don't know. I feel as though... It's just like I, I'm 
the only answers come with just laying a, a stick of dynamite below the whole organization, blowing it up and starting from scratch. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I'm just kind of, and that's the, I'm stumbling around because last week you and I were like, okay, what are we going to talk about? The teams, teams won games, but they're bad. And now we're going into a stretch that's going to be really bad, and they lost all those games. So now we're here a week later. Oh, and now we're still, up, they're, they're still bad, and we now, now we know they're still bad. So what are we talk to, about? And they're about to embark upon a very long, tough road trip where they it could go from from horrible to, to even worse, like mm-hmm. very quickly. Um, they could be looking at the worst spot in the league uh, very easily at the end of this eight game road trip. Oh, eight game road trip against teams like Dallas and Tampa. Um, it's going to be bad. So yeah, it, it's, there's nothing good right now. I mean, I, I think Philip Forsberg is about the only thing going well. Uh, he's a point per game player, 24 points in 24 games. Um, he's, and he's not even doing it like shooting a high percentage. He's only shooting, he's shooting right around his career average, actually a little below. So like Philip Forsberg is really good. Uh, Philip Forsberg so, is the only thing going well for this team well, right now. Tolvin is, is really yeah. showing yeah. some, I mean, his shot. Oh Lord, that shot. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I'm trying to think if there's a predator who's ever shot the puck harder than that. That's not Shea Weber. Yeah, like yeah. that. The, some of those. Some was it his power play goal yesterday? Yesterday, that was uh-huh. just like blister. I thought yeah. it was gonna blast through the back of the net, yeah. go into out of the arena. They're gonna find it somewhere on Broadway. You know, I don't. You're right. He he is absolutely taking another step. He's he's a bright spot. Uh, he, he still only has like, you know, he's, he's got five, he's, he's got four goals. That's great. It's like second on the team, I think, but, um, <laughs> he, he's not exactly like, you know, turning the team into a, a winner either. So like there, there's very little going well for the team. Uh, Philip Forsberg, you mentioned Ely Tilden and, uh, there's, that's about it. And, and we, let's go ahead and talk about the injuries. Uh, we learned about these, uh, over the course of the week, uh, the, the, one on Saturday was that Matt Duchesne will be out three to five weeks. And uh, Ryan Ellis, we learned earlier in the week, will be out four to six weeks. So I think that those injuries are pretty massive. I mean, those are, that's what, $16 million well, off your. And then Soros being out for. Yes. Are, do we have a timeline on Soros or is he just. It, it's indefinite. We don't yeah, know. Because it's a poly concussion. Yeah. Um, I, so all of a sudden you're lying on, you're losing your tandem which is so key for this team because mm-hmm. when one drops off, the other one usually comes in and can play well enough. But now without Ingram, right. it's, it's kind of, you know, it's all on Rene. And, and if he's not feeling it, the team's in trouble. Yeah. The, the predators have uh, $18 million of their salary cap on the injured reserve right now. Matt Duchesne, Ryan Ellis, Luke Cunning, Husey Soros, and Lucas Abisa. What's, what's interesting is how few goals and points that represents, despite the fact that it's so much uh, of the salary cap. Isn't that kind of, that is so frustrating. Well, one is a goalie, but yes, correct. Yeah. It, yeah well, Matt, Matt Duchesne has what? Five points or something. Um, eight, what I'm trying points? to say here is that UC Star should be trying to score more goals like Pecorine does. Hey, I'm, I'm telling if he, you. If, if he could score goals like Pecorine, then he'd be the elite goaltender the Predators need. I think Ryan Ellis is a bigger loss than Matt Duchesne. Um, Matt Duchesne has not been very good this year uh, in, in terms of production. Ryan Ellis has been okay, but he's been he's been doing other things, and that the the loss of Matt, of Ryan Ellis totally disrupts the the mm-hmm. defensive structure. I mean, Yossi's having to play with Alex Carrier now, and Dante Fabro is back with Ekholm, uh, and then the bottom pairing is just as bad as it's been. So it that I think the Ryan Ellis loss is bigger, especially because it could be longer. I mean, you don't want to. I mean, 
right now, four to six weeks. That's a huge chunk of this shortened season. That is like, it's like 40% of the season. Yeah. Yeah. It's massive. So, um, that's, so that's bad. Um, uh, just briefly about the games themselves. One, one interesting thing that some people probably notice is that. So on Tuesday, they lost four to two to Carolina. They had a slow start and then had that, had a late comeback. Like they were down three, nothing, I think. And then, uh, scored a couple goals in the third period and then empty netter and it was over. Same thing happened on Thursday with the loss of Florida. They were down uh, two or three nothing and then they sort of scored some they scored some goals le- uh, late, uh, got within five to three and then I think had one garbage goal as well. So again, slow start, late comeback. And then on Saturday, it was the opposite. They had a fast start. They scored the first goal, which doesn't happen that often this year. Uh, played very well in the first period. Gave up a very, very late game-tying goal in the first period, and that just all cards fell. Can I tell you, like, watching that game, when the Predators scored first, I was like, oh, oh, it's a moment. This is is a moment in time they could seize, they could do something with this. They could could try and take off a, a, you know, a, a better team and take some points and really, nope, never mind. Yeah. Oh, well. It, it, it was bad, and it, it really got bad in the third period where Florida was just manhandling. Noel Achari got a, a, a hat trick. Um, you know, not, not a guy that's going to get a lot of hat tricks in the league. So yeah. I had to, I actually this is a, a complaint about about the organization. I know we have a lot of those today. So I needed to I listened to part of that game on the radio, mm-hmm. and you cannot listen to the Predators on the radio because what they describe happening in no way reflects what I know is actually happening. Like, you know, Pete, Pete Weber, he's doing the play by play, but like the color commentary that between the periods coverage, all the, all the analysis, it does not reflect reality. It is. If you only listen to the pros on the radio, you would be like, I, I don't understand. They're doing all these great things. How are they not winning games? Why are they losing? Like the guys are all saying all this great stuff they're doing in current, you know, it is, a, it is like a reverse world. Cause when I switched back to the television, I'm like, okay, yeah, things were as bad as I thought they were. I don't think I've listened to the radio broadcast in a while. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do it often, especially because I mean, pandemic, but I've, it's never I've been mostly, this bad. I've mostly, um, when I've, when I've been watching these games, I've been listening to, um, the opposing broadcast, opposing TV broadcast, mostly just to change it up because I'm tired of hearing the same two voices over and over again on the TV broadcast. But I really enjoy, you know, ch- taking in. <laughs> just like never, to... please, please, people listening, never get tired of hearing our two voices over and over again. <laughs> we love you right. like they don't. Yeah. Well, we also. Well, anyways, we'll we'll leave it there. But uh, the, the it's it's fun to listen to the other, other voices. I like I really like the. Um, um, the Columbus guys are pretty good uh, mm. so far. The Tampa, the Tampa guys are great. Yeah. Um, anyways, it, that's beside the point. So yeah, the the, the games have been horrible. Um, the the Predators are just uh, like I said, they're they're reeling. Um, there's just more frustration building, and uh, I I think that the the biggest thing to think about right now is well, first of all, there should be no more conversation about are they buyers or sellers. Obviously, they're sellers. Now at this point, it's how much are they sellers? How how much are they selling? Um, they will probably part with no fewer than like two players at the trade deadline. I'm thinking at least Mikhail Granlund and probably Mat- Matthias Ekholm. I mean, just because of the way things are going. 
Um, but there could be a lot more. I mean, they, they might find someone to take Brad Richardson. They might find someone to take Nick Cousins. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, move, move everything. I mean, stock, get picks for 2021, two, three. Like, whatever yeah. they'll give you. If, they'll, if, if Brad Richardson is worth a sixth round 2021 pick, a fifth or sixth round 2022 pick, but you can get him like for 2023 for like a fourth round, like take that, like just, <laughs> right. just take as many lottery tickets as you can get right now. Yeah. And set yourself up. Like now is the time, you know, April is going to come fast. I mean, we're just, the, the trade deadline is a little over a month away. Mm-hmm. If you want to do business with Canadian teams, you got to get that done earlier because of the quarantine issues. Sure. Uh, and tr- I mean, it, the other thing, I don't know if we've seen anything in the league on this, but do we know at all if alignment is returning to normal next season? Because I do. all of a sudden, because teams don't like to trade inside division, right? They'll trade in, tr- in conference, but division, well, do the Predators really care about trading something to, I mean, this is kind of bizarre, but do they care about trading something to, to, to Tampa or to Columbus because right. they're going to go back east in a year? Right. Uh, Carolina, right. Yeah. Like, just clear house, clean things up. Start now. Like, start making the deals. And that may be happening. Yeah. We don't know. Start now is the key. Uh, And uh, that sort of takes us to our our main story here. And what we want to kind of focus today's show on is the how. How do the Preds begin their rebuild? And and the the key to that being... How do they begin it? What's the first thing that they do? What's the first steps in order to make this happen? Because this is pretty important. Um, to me, there's really only one option for this for this Preds team in, in, in the immediate future, and that is you need to you need to just lose games. Just go ahead and get as high a lottery pick as you can in this draft. Yes, it's a weak draft, but you'd rather have a top three pick than a top ten pick. So it, it doesn't really matter how weak it is. It matters that you have the best pick possible. Mm-hmm. So you can have your choice of all of the players possible. Um, if they happen to get the number one overall pick, that's great. If they if they only get the third pick, heck, maybe it's a, a, a even easier only having the third pick in this year because you know they don't they're not missing out on some franchise altering player necessarily, and they can have they have a lot of flexibility. So, um, but in my opinion, the the first step obviously they're going to lose games. They're, they're not going to have any problem losing games from here on out to get as high a pick as they can. Uh, in my opinion, the first step is the one that we talked about a few weeks ago, and that is that David Poyle has to not be in charge anymore. That in order for this team to move forward, the first thing that has to happen is for David Poyle to be not in charge anymore. Uh, that is before any trades happen. That's before any coaching moves happen. Um, all those things need to be made by someone else. Whoever trades Matthias Ekholm, it, that should not be David Poyle because hmm. he's proven... Wow. He's proven that he he has not been able to get proper returns or to build a team the right way. Uh, now he does have a track record of finding some some good trades in this sort of selling situation. Obviously, getting Cali Yarncroke when he did with David Legwan, getting Philip Forsberg, yes. But there's been just as many poor decisions the other way as well. So um, that's what I think. I think I think the first thing that has to happen is that David Poyle has to not be in charge, and I don't know if that's going to happen in season. Yeah, because it's not just David Poyle. It's John Hines. It's mm-hmm. a lot of bloat in the team. <clears throat> it's injuries. So I, I don't know 
I'm trying to think of the last time, if ever, I can I can recall a team just blowing up everything midseason. Um, it's mm. not. I I don't. There may be an example, but I Ar- Arizona does it every couple of years. Well, that's because Arizona <laughs> never really manages to put anything together, yeah, uh, right. anything lasting. Yeah. I, I you know the one thing I've seen some great suggestions. People saying like, "Hey, just promote promote uh, David Poyle to like." executive vice president or president or something no it's the classic like executive produced by so and so it's like oh what did they do they basically came on set for a few times and and waved at people but you know and they may have spent some money but other than that it's mostly just to make sure they're involved like that make sure their names involved and excluded um or to sell movie tickets you know just like put him in a position where he's just not going to cause harm um but i agree i like i think I, I, that is kind of extreme, I think, to say the person who trades at home can't be David Poyle. But you're right. Uh, he has not had a great track record of trades. He seems to miss more than he hits, not even 50%. Yeah. And it, this should be easy because he's really looking to restock. He's really looking to get picks. We know that Ekholm is worth a lot more than, I mean, with it, with that contract. Uh yeah, it's, but it's so much, so many, so many things need to go into just getting this team on track to finish out the season, just to like coast to the finish line. Right. So we threw out, um, I threw out this question on, on Twitter, uh, actually a series of questions. And, uh, before we get to the people's responses, I, I want, I do want to hear your takes on all these as well. The first question was, what is the first step to rebuild this team? What's the first thing that you do? Uh, the, the second question was, who are your untouchables? Who are the players on your team that you think cannot go? You, you have to build mm-hmm. a team for the future around these particular players. Uh, and then the last question is is a tricky one because a lot of people don't really think about this part of it. But if you think that David Poyle or, and or John Hines should go, who are your replacements? So um, we got a number of responses to this. I want to go over a lot of those. Some some were very interesting, and some were some were some were great suggestions, and I think all of them were great suggestions. Um, but before we get to those, uh, which of those do you want to tackle first? Do you want to do you want to talk uh, about? Uh, um, we can just go in order. Okay. I, you know, so the let me make sure I have these questions up in front of me. Yeah. Uh, so the first step, personally, I think it starts. It. I'm of two minds on this. I think you either start trading players. And saying we're just going to write out the season with Hines, and you just start trading players and saying, "Hey, you know, we're we're trying to just go into a rebuild. We don't need to buy out a coach yet. Like, let's just let things go." That may harm the mood. Like, that may harm like the mentality of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, that, that's why that bothers me a little bit. On the other side, I, the other first action would be just let Hines go. Have Rich Todd Richards step up, fill play the fill in role, be the interim coach. Um, he's got tons of NHL experience. I mean, he hasn't. He won a Stanley Cup with Tampa as an assistant coach. Um, and the only reason he's probably not a head coach now is because he got bounced from the Blue Jackets after they started the 2015-2016 season. Zero and seven. I didn't even remember that. Yeah, he he. The team started zero and seven now, and and they fired him. Uh, now, even if they had won all seven of those games, they would have m- maybe made the playoffs. <laughs> Um, if they had won all seven of those, I think they would have been like a bubble team for the playoffs. So it's not like this Columbus Blue Jackets team was... Is that what they brought in Tortorella? 
I, I, it might have been, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, but that team, that Blue Jackets team was on the decline and really bad. And there, I think there was some bad luck and he got fired. And then he, you know, I think Tampa was smart to step up because I think that was when you still had, um, was Steve Eiserman still in charge of, at Tampa at that point? That was before he left. Um, uh, yeah, he left. The at, wings. I think he left after, well, I think yeah. he left before the cup. He did. Um, yeah. But so he was there. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, so that was so Eiserman, I think, brought him in as assistant as assistant coach because if it, why not? I mean, what yeah. a great pickup! You got a, a a guy who, for not great teams, has a oh, five thirty three win percentage in the NHL. Mm, okay. Like this guy has achieved with mediocre teams what Hines has never achieved in his career. So you'd, elevate, you'd elevate Todd Richards as interim, but interim, possibly- yeah, interim coach. Well. And this is where you have to, once you have that in place, I think then you can replace your GM. You can start the process of saying, let's find the right coach. Let's hire the right person. Um, you know, there's a lot of names thrown around. Some who are establishing NHL talents. There's some who are good AHL coaches. There's some European coach. You know, there's a whole host of different options out there let the new gm figure out what he wants for the team or you know there's probably this may be too radical for the hockey world but there are probably uh uh, experienced female hockey exec you know executives out there who who could probably do the the gm role too i mean i'm sure Sure. they can't not be out there i mean i I can't even imagine a world where, where you couldn't find a qualified female GM like predators could, could, you know, break some ground there. Um, yeah, that certainly that, yeah. that's just, I mean, sorry, that's a total side thought. Um, I'm not really in a position to talk about that with, with, with true knowledge or authority. So I don't, I don't want to get us in trouble and sure. not have like the right backup, but um, there's just so many things that need to happen to get this team working. So and, who are your, Oh, sorry. Uh, so, who would be your untouchables? Who would be your 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 players that are untouchable? Uh, I think you know Rene is probably untouchable. I think um, you know Yossi probably holding to Yossi. Uh, you know maybe maybe holding on to you know it, I would hold on to Tolvanen just because he's young. Mm-hmm. Um. I guess yeah. I've actually, I've sort of changed my mind a little bit when it comes to Forsberg. So I'm like, oh, he could, you could really get a lot. You could and by the lot. time you're in the end of the rebuild, he's going to be on the decline of his career. So it, you could get huge value for him now. But the problem there is the fan base is going to just lose it. It would be pretty bad. Yeah, Tra- trading away a, uh, you know star forward in the prime of his career that would be pretty bad um, yeah that, that's you know even the shea weber deal was like so people loved shea weber but it was like he people understood that the contract was massive he was getting older he had foot issues uh philip forsberg has no real issues <laughs> like there's nothing the contract is great people love him he's a great scorer like it's, he likes being in nashville which is yeah. always you know valuable he likes being in the city because this is where he he came up playing. It's not like a not like a Matthew Shane situation where he was like, I just want a job in Nashville. Who you know, good, there's a hockey team there. I guess I'll sign a contract there. 
and and it wouldn't be you know it wouldn't be like a one for one either it wouldn't be like the shea weber for pk suban where you're like you're really sad you got rid of shea weber but also you got this exciting pk suban coming in it would be a, it would be like two first round picks and a prospect that people like it would be like really uh anonymous like you wouldn't even know what you have yet like that's what that would be even worse for fans mm-hmm. like in five years they would be like oh yeah great we got this great defenseman from the draft and this prospect is really working out it would take so long for people to get over that you know it would it would it be would. devastating um but uh yeah so i i would agree with you on on that uh i think rene is really kind of a different kind of untouchable um obviously just more sentimental reasons i i would also mention I think it's probably fair to say that Ellie Tolvanen is probably an understood untouchable for most people. I, I think when I think about this, I'm really thinking about more like he's he's just brought he he just came up through the prospect yeah. rank. He just yeah. kind of graduated. He's 21, right? He's 21, yeah. yeah. So if he takes three years to rebuild, he's going to be yeah. in his prime. Like right, and great. then the. And then obviously Roman Yossi has to be untouchable because of the contract. Although you can always get around that kind of stuff, I and mean, people do it all well, the time. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably not that difficult if yeah. he wants to go. But at the same time, I think it. you you need you need to maintain some core of your current prospect pool and some veterans just to steer the team and and yeah. be leaders. Yeah. Uh, so you know, guy having like a guy like Yossi on board, unless he like goes in and says, hey let's find a new home for me. I, you know, I don't want to leave, but clearly this, this team is, is going a place that I don't, I'm not ready to go. Like here are my aspirations. You know, if there's, if anyone who comes forward and says that, you know, yeah, find them, find them a home. If Rene said to David Poyle, I'd really like to find a place that would, if there's anyone who would have me, mm-hmm. let me go. But granted, I mean, there's, I don't think there's a Stanley cup bound team who could afford to take on Rene's contract. So mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a lot of players on this team though, that are very touchable <laughs> that like, <laughs> they're entirely corporeal. They're as not they're zero, that sounds, zero specters, ghosts, or poltergeists on the have, predators. <laughs> right. If we have not touched, if we have not talked about them, they are touchable. Uh, <laughs> and that includes everyone else. Um, there's, there's really no one else on the team. Everyone else on the, on the 23 man roster. Right. And, and taxi squad, not like, not Thomasine. I'm not talking about him. I'm not talking about rim Pitlick. I'm not talking about any of the other prospects and Askarov. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about on the roster right now. So there's a lot on there and we'll get to some of the, some people's uh, thoughts on this. Um, the last question was, uh, you, and you already kind of covered this is uh, if Poiler Hines are gone, who are your replacements? Uh, and you talked about um, Todd Richards, and you talked about maybe finding it out, outside of the box. Well, yeah, GM. I mean, there's there's uh, people like the one thing I don't want to see with a GM is for them to go out and find some dude who was a failed GM at another NHL team. Mm-hmm. Like there are smart people who can do the GM job. Go and find them. Do do the hard work. I mean, go out. Think think differently. Um, it's worked out for some organizations. Others have struggled. I, some, not all that is down to the ability of the GM to execute. It may, it's, I think there's cultural issues. I mean, you look at what happened in Arizona. Um, but that was, I mean, that's a complex situation compared to what the Predators are dealing with. Uh, I mean, there's talent within the organization itself. Like, you don't have to even go outside. If you even just need an interim GM, you could probably have, like, Scott Nichol. Like he's been he's been the GM of, of the Admirals and and part of player development for years now. 
I'm glad um, you mentioned him. Yeah. You know, bring, you know, give him an opportunity. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think um, Scott Nichols is a great option. And I think that's a, that's a very interesting thought. I, I was, I also just keep coming back to Steve Sullivan, um, who was just recently, who just recently resigned slash was fired slash jumped off of a sinking ship over in Arizona. Um, I'm not sure if you saw that situation, but basically the new owner and GM situation is terrible. Like it, they somehow made it worse when they, yeah, I read uh, that article. Yeah, it was pretty bad. So well, I'll say real quick, there's, there's the, in Arizona there, you have an issue, which is that anyone who is qualified to own and operate an NHL team doesn't want to buy the Arizona Coyotes right? because yeah. it's been a failing franchise since inception. Yeah. So yeah. the only people willing to spend the money are people who either don't know what they're doing or probably aren't qualified or both. And that seems to be what they've gotten. And the, I think the NHL said that they had vetted these guys or whatever, mm-hmm. but I think they were just glad to find someone who had the money to pay for it, the Coyotes. Yeah. So there, so, that's all I'll say on them. Yeah, uh, Steve Sullivan. There's still questions. I don't. I don't know really anything. He's. I mean, extremely green in terms of his front office experience. I mean, he's had very little. Uh, he's he worked as a, as a development coach for a number of years, uh, which is not a GM job. So and, and then he was only really interim GM for like a year, like less than a year, I think. So um, it, it, it there's a lot a lot of questions there, but I think that. And you, you'd also have to know what, you know, how does Steve Sullivan approach, um, how does he approach like, you know, managing a salary cap? How does he approach what kind of players to develop and what kind of players to bring in? How does he manage how to attack, how to attack free agency? Obviously the guy has a ton of experience in the NHL for, as a player. Um, uh, but I think it's interesting that he doesn't have, uh, he, he doesn't have a job right now. Uh, maybe he's waiting for this. Maybe he's like sitting out there wondering if there's another, if there's a GM job about to come open somewhere like, like in Nashville or, or something like that, because you know, he left so quickly, he could have probably easily that with that kind of experience gone somewhere and taken on at least, you know, a, 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 a some sort of, some sort of role with some other team, but he's not doing that yet. So I wonder if he's sitting around waiting. A lot of the questions you're raising and the points you've made about Sullivan are why I think, Scott Nichols an interesting option because he's been within the Predators organization for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot of work around development. He's now spent time as the general manager of the Admirals. So he's gotten onto the business side. He probably has to work very closely with David Poyle on managing the organizations to make sure they're in sync with development, with pipeline, with all the different things that they need to do. Even mm-hmm. if it's an interim basis, Scott Nickel probably has the knowledge to quickly take over and make the necessary moves that need to be done. And he may be a little bit more, I don't know. I, I just, I kind of look at some of the other people who are assistant GMs within the Predators organization. And, you know, I don't honestly know a lot about Jeff Kielty, but he's like director of scouting. Yeah. And assistant GM. And then you have Brian Poyle's director of hockey operations and assistant GM. Yeah. Um, That's the and I'm just like, issue. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know about those two. I don't know anything about Jeff Kielty. If you're a fan of prospects and scouting, you may know a lot more. I, you know, I, I think most people are, are pretty um, okay with Jeff Kielty. I think at this point, I mean, from what I can tell, I mean, I with, the, with the Predators, very, very strong prospect pool. He's exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 I think, um, 
being a little, but I mean, they've, they've had some huge misses on, on draft. Sure. And they've drafted, they've drafted strangely, but you don't, but he's not, he's not the end all be all in terms of who they draft. I mean, like there were some, there's some pretty weird draft picks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay, I don't think there's, I don't think there's people up in arms saying Jeff Kilty's got to go. So, yeah, oh, I don't think he needs to go. But I'm just like, I don't think he's the guy you promote to fill in for David Poyle. Oh no, I don't, I don't. Same think thing so. with Brian Poyle. Like, I, you know, let him be director of hockey, hockey operations. You know, yeah, let 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 the Poyles run hockey operations and and then have someone else be GM. So Scott Nichol, Steve Sullivan, for you know, people with ties to Nashville who have experience in this world, I think those are great options. Um, uh, in terms of the coach, there's a lot of options out there. I mean, we haven't we you you uh, you mentioned Todd Richards would be an interim. I'm imagining that means you don't think he should be at the long term, but um, well, he should be. So you need an interim because you want to find the right long term coach. Could Todd Richards yeah. be the right long term coach for the Predators? He could. Mm-hmm. He could be. Um, but it should be a process that is vetting, interviewing. It needs to be involved with the new GM. It should not, like you said, that that if Ekholm was traded, David Poyle should not be the one to trade him. If you know Heinz is fired and they're fu- and they're going to hire a new coach, David Poyle should not be the person to hire a new coach. I totally agree. Yeah, that's that. I would say start totally start with the front office, start with the coaching first. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah, it should be an absolutely yeah. new coach. There's a lot of new coach options out there, but in order to, to talk about this, I want to I want to go back through some of these tweets that people sent because these are there's a lot of really good options here. Um, let's start with at e elite Tolvanen, uh, whose handle says hashtag Fire Heinz right now. Uh, the first the the first option that this person would take is Fire Heinz and trade for picks of prospects at the deadline. That's a pretty popular one. Uh, his untouchables, his or her untouchables. I, I'm not sure if it's a, a he or she that I'm talking to, but anyways, Cullen's uh, options here are Forsberg, Yossi, and Tolvanen uh, are the untouchables, and that's right in line with what we've said. And then the options for replacing, um, I'm guessing Hines are Carl Taylor and uh, Gerard Gallant. Um, I saw those names a lot yesterday. Yeah, that, that is, those are the top two most common especially carl taylor are the top two most common things so the carl taylor thing um you know i i don't i don't know so so there's not a ton of examples of an ahl coach jumping to the nhl and having immediate success uh jared bednar did that with colorado and he's been pretty good over there of course he has a really here's the great thing alex i'll say is that whatever coach comes in for nashville next doesn't need immediate success because they're going to be in a rebuild. Yeah, you need a guy who has a history of developing players and developing teams. So and what do you think about Carl Taylor? He has done really well with the resources the Predators have given him. I mean, the Admirals are not one of the handful of HL teams that recruits heavily. They are very much driven by, um, you know, the NHL pickups and people who are assigned there. Even if it's like a, God, was it was it? Steve Moses? I don't know. I, I forget. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But some of these guys who are really effective AHLers, a lot of those, a lot of those guys were still on NHL two way contracts. They weren't, you know, AHL signings. There's very few AHL teams that do that. Um, for like high end AHL talent, um, they'll you know fill the ranks with some, some uh, minor, you know, some some like 
lower end guys. But uh-huh. yeah, I, you know, I could see Carl Taylor working out just because he's he's done really well with what the Predators have given him. He's developed players fairly nicely. Um, the resource pool he's been given has not been great the NHL level. And that's that's maybe the big concern is getting the most out of a player in the AHL is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is a it is a different thing. It is not just developing the next superstar. It is, you know, hey, does this guy who's not who's maybe a third pairing defenseman, but easily starts as your top pairing defenseman when in the AHL? Like you're just working with different resources. Um, I mean, you can be, and this, this I see this article all the time. People love to talk about. It. There's this there's this restaurant. Uh, it's like more of a food stand. How, I'm trying to remember if it's in Hong Kong or Singapore. Um, but it's like a Michelin star restaurant and the food's like the, the dish he serves there's like it's like three bucks. It's like super cheap. And but he does like an amazing job with it. It's supposed to be like this phenomenal dish, but it's not like an expensive dish and you know, all those sort of things. You can also get a Michelin star and charge two hundred dollars for a plate of food. Mm-hmm. Both of those chefs are valid chefs, are incredibly talented, have earned the same number of Michelin stars. It does not mean if you take that chef from that food stand and stick him in a, in, in a 200-plate kitchen that he's yeah. going to suddenly be a 200-plate Michelin star chef. It's just you, you can't use the same strict metrics like that. You have to leave an interpretation. That's very true. So, uh, so I'm thinking here, like, can you take Carl Taylor, stick him in in the NHL, and he's going to find success because he's been successful with the AHL? We don't know. That's that's kind of how I feel, and that's why there haven't been a ton of examples of of, of guys doing that, jumping from one to the other. Um, you know, if I had to guess, I would say that he probably wouldn't take the job, uh, only because it's not a great situation, and and it sounds like he's pretty happy with what he's doing. Uh, that doesn't mean he won't take the job at some point, but. Um, the other option being uh, Gerard Gallant, uh, who people have mentioned a lot, who is still somehow unemployed, who did a great job with the Vegas Golden Knights, who was a great coach with Florida. Um, this guy, uh, you know, one thing about one thing about Gallant is, you know, he has a, the ability. He he seems to have the ability to to get a younger kind of rebuilding team and make them successful, uh, which is what this Predators team would be. So it is a very good option. Uh, again, I. I don't know that he would really take that job, but maybe, maybe he would. I don't know. So one of the other, uh, some more tweets that came in, uh, of course, a lot, several people who mentioned Carl Taylor, uh, state of smash at Preds Realist, say goodbye to Hines, bring up Carl Taylor for the rest of the season, trade Ekholm, Arvidsson, Granlin for prospects and picks, specifically those three. Uh, state of smashes, untouchables are Yossi, Rene, Ellis, and Forsberg. And then uh, don't know about GM, but as I already said, t- Carl Taylor for, t- for head coach. Um, I don't, so let's just say you, you really, you're not going to break. Well, I, I guess your AHL coach isn't really doing anything right now because the yeah. Admirals aren't playing, but that's kind of an odd. Well, he, he's over in Chicago helping with them. I think yeah, he's pretty, pretty but, involved. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I don't like the whole idea of right bringing up, like bringing up the AHL coach temporarily. Cause yeah. Um, he's got a job. Another already. one, uh, at Operatic Plum, which I think is a great handle, Holly, uh, <laughs> says, the first step is that Hines and Poyle need to go uh, once a rebuild under fresh eyes and new perspective. Fits in with what you said. 
Uh, untouchables are Tolvanen, Forsberg, Yossi, Ellis, and keep as much of the promising youngsters. Tomasino, Pitlick, obviously. I think those will, those will stay. Replacements, she says, not Brian Poyle. Maybe Gerard Gallant. <laughs> so uh, not Brian Poyle. That's a common one. Uh, one, one person, uh, Hockey Chick 107 says, can I somehow get a time machine and go back to the summer of 2019 and fire LaViolette and hire Joel Quinville? Hmm, interesting. Um, Joel Quinville was around. Uh, maybe if they had let go of LaViolette a little earlier, they could have gotten Joel Quinville. Um, and then I want to get, I want to read this next one because I, it, it brings up another person who I think is a fascinating coaching uh, option uh at travis brown his third option says no idea about gms but i'd like to give gronborg uh or carl taylor a chance at head coach so the gronborg he's talking about is ricard gronborg who's the swedish uh national team coach who also coaches a swiss team um not a swiss team the swiss team the 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 who is it i think that's is that that's like the that's like the big team the lions okay okay yeah um but gronborg is uh, a guy who has been basically um, fl- flirting with another NHL job for a long time. And uh, it would be such a different hire than this Predators t- than anyone could predict because it's, you know, having a European head coach, first of all, um, uh, in, in a pl- in a place like Nashville that has just been surrounded by American hockey minds forever. Yeah. Um, it would huh. be so interesting, right? It would be. I mean, I, I want to point out, Grunberg did spend from 94 through 2009 was involved was did coach in the US yeah. in various capacities. So yeah, yeah they were very they were at, you know, they were not like significant positions um but he does like he does yeah, exactly. he has worked with young american players I, I think that shows that he probably would would not mind coming back here and getting a head coaching job at the in the nhl well the devils were working looking at him very hard they were trying to get him um okay. very, he, they were trying to get him recently so it's not just people on twitter it's not just for nashville but other, other nhl teams have been looking at him as an option I know very little, I'm really nothing about what kind of a coach he is, uh, what kind of offense or defense he runs, how, how he treats prospects, how he develops players. I've known nothing about that. This is purely a uh, eye-catching, uh, out-of-the-box hire that would be really um, total, totally change the dynamic. And that's kind of what I've been thinking about about with this Predators team for a long time now is they just need to to change the dynamic. Just completely switch the paradigm on all this. I mean, they've been doing the same things in the same way, drafting the same kind of player with the same people drafting them, same people scouting them, same people coaching them and developing them for just too long. And it's just, it's clearly their window has passed. They're not doing it right anymore. Go get someone that is totally different. And mm-hmm. I just think that's a really fascinating option. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's a strong list of coaches to be interviewed for this job. And it it could be a really exciting time to do it. And maybe you just need a short term interim coach. I mean, maybe you 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 put Todd Richards at interim, and at the end of the season, you see, okay, well, let's let's extend him for a couple of years, give him a three year extension, and then you look for something else on the other end, or you, know, you really, I mean, what's the lifespan of a coach? They're really awfully short. Yeah. So if you're going into a rebuild, you know, what's the right guy to bring in? Now, a guy like Runberg may be attractive because he has experience working with national teams. He has experience doing that kind of developmental work and bringing pieces together. That could be a bridge solution. And if he turns out to be like the next great NHL coach, 
now now he's got a team of of like loyal players behind him as you get into the peak of the rebuild and by peak of the rebuild, I do mean like you're coming out of the dregs and you're you're getting ready to be competitive again. That's what I mean by peak. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I got gotcha. you. Uh, I want to mention this one as well uh, before we get to the the Bryans at the end, which I know you wanted to talk about. Uh, uh, Dan Bradley mentions uh, our our good buddy Dan Bradley mentions bringing in Dean Lombardi as GM, who is currently with the Flyers. Dean Lombardi, uh, you know, if that's something that he, that he would want to jump Philadelphia and come here, that would be pretty interesting. Uh, I don't know that he would, but um, I guess I guess because it would be a gym job, and he's not currently the GM there. So, but anyways, Dean Lombardi proven to to be a Stanley Cup winning coach or GM rather, and uh, yeah, that would be pretty interesting. Um, that would be a totally different different kind of hire. Uh, he also mentioned Steve Sullivan. His untouchables are Forsberg, Yossi, Ellis, and Tolvanen. And um, yeah, that could be that's an outside of the box uh, thought there. Um, very successful manager there. Um. So let's talk about Brian's. Brian says, <laughs> "Our good buddy Brian." Yeah, uh, yeah. I, w- I do want to respond. I think this is great because the, okay. there's there's some some real understanding of what's going on right now with the team. He's been successful. So thinking about rebuilding the team, the first rebuilding team. Brian says, "I I tell them all to try their best," and, and I think that there's there's some real wisdom there <laughs> because. Clearly, Heinz's system is not working, and Heinz is not getting whatever it is he needs to get across to the team to the team. It's just not mm-hmm. happening. So just have him go out there and run around a little bit. You know, go play some yeah. hockey. Go have some fun. I yeah. mean, that worked for Tottenham Hotspur under Harry Redknapp for several years. <laughs> you know, they just went out and ran around and did some cool stuff. Just roll the pucks out onto the ice and say, go go do your thing. Yeah. I mean, they're all professionals. They're all talented. Even the bad players. I mean, they're NHLers. So they're bad in the NHL, but they're not bad hockey players in the grand scheme of things. They're very good. Um, it's almost so yeah. like a, I, have, I have a quick analogy. Yeah. It's almost like a, a, a child that has a, a really nice Lego set. And instead of, you know, the parents, instead of just letting them just play with the Legos and build whatever they want to, the parents are coming in with the instructions and saying, this is what you're going to build. You're going to build this wall exactly like this. You're going to use this piece in this way. You're going to put this here and you're going to structure all this. And the kid's not having fun anymore. It's like, and I'm not, look, I like Legos too. And I like building Legos, but sometimes kids just need to just build something that looks weird and and silly just because it's fun. I, I would supplement your metaphor by saying that the instructions the parents are bringing in are for a different Lego set <laughs> than the one the kid's trying to build. Um, but That's otherwise, I agree with you. Uh, so I also want to say, I want to, I want to touch on that. If you think Poyle and Hines should go, who are um, your replacements? Uh, I like whoever promised to try the hardest. Yeah. I mean, you want, you want someone who's not afraid of hard work, uh, you know? And, and so I want to, again, how right Brian is here. Because so, right, just, to, just to be clear, Brian said uh, whoever promises to try the hardest should be brought in to replace <laughs> Poyle and Hines. Um, you know, I, I think I think Poyle has done his best and tried hard, but it's we've talked about in past shows how this has fallen flat, mm-hmm. um, and how he's kind of fallen back on bad habits. So it, 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 I just don't know the fire is real. It doesn't really feel like it's there in some ways. And Hines just he just. He seems every bit as frustrated as players are, and if your coach is frustrated with the players, the players are frustrated with the coach. They are all frustrated with each other and themselves. Um, you, you just need someone who's going to come in and 
frankly, in a rebuild, put in the hard work because rebuilds are hard work for both the GM and for the coach. You got to manage fans. You got to manage who knows what project you're getting the ice during the, the course of this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, you need someone who's going to really get in there and be willing to put in the hard work, the unpleasant, dirty work. Spe- speaking of uh, putting in the hard work, uh, at Angry Preds fan, who I, is a great follow on Twitter, also says that they should replace the entire coaching staff and hockey ops department with the wonderful members of Preds Twitter. Preds Twitter would destroy this team if they could, right? Yeah, I mean, who do you put in charge of what? That's that's a whole you know they experience. Do. Yeah. They should give Preds Twitter the one half of the GM job and Preds Facebook the other half. Because Preds Facebook would go get Austin Watson back. They've already they re-signed Pecorini to a longer contract. <laughs> yes, they would. Yes, they would re-sign Pecorini to a very long contract. They'd get Austin Watson back. They'd go get like Cody McLeod or something, uh, who's not even playing yeah. now. Um, you know, there's also um, Mike Fisher. Mike Fisher oh, will be back on the team. Yeah, Mike Fisher, great. Um, I think Karen would be a great goalie coach. Why not? Let's do it. Um, <laughs> You know what you could do? So there was there there are uh, things people have built uh, for Twitch so that the the chat for a Twitch stream can actually control what's happening on the screen. Like So they've done Twitch plays Pokemon, and, and so you can actually type in how you want the character to move. And so it okay. you, you end up having hundreds and, or thousands of people all typing different commands, and so the, it okay. figures out the predominant command and tells them what to do. We need that for the Predators. Right. So right. whoever whatever is the and most control. popular thing... Yeah. Just happens. Yeah, uh, exactly. we just let we just let that go for a while. So it's like a crowdsourced kind of fan control. Yeah, let's just let's just crowdsource it. You know, like <laughs> let's do it. I really wonder if the if the fans had some sort of way of controlling in, in the way that you're describing the lineup every night, or uh, no, or, or just like who's playing, uh, who's who's in goal, um, who's on the power play, that kind of thing. That would be pretty interesting. That that could I mean. Dep- so for me, like when you're, if you're in like a, like a Twitter bubble and you've got like a really good set of people you follow and a good set of people who follow you, mm-hmm. you might think that like, oh, you know what? I think, I think Preds Twitter could do that. But then I know that there's like yeah. the greater sphere of Predators Twitter <laughs> right. of people who follow me for like two days and are like, no, 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 I'm not going to keep doing this and then leave. Yeah, but that that group. It's the people. Yeah, they're, they're, exactly. You, 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 I'm sure your feed is curated in terms of Preds, similarly to mine. It's got a lot of smart people, but also some funny people who are commenting about the team. And then there's Twitter. Tw- there's other Twitter feeds out there who who are like, who don't understand why Pecorini is not starting every game. Who hate UC Soros for some reason. Who don't. Who who people who you know dislike roman yossi because he's a bad captain or something uh there's there's all there's all kinds of awful people out there even on twitter i know that uh, there, there's plenty of awful people on facebook but um so yeah there, there's a i think those are there's a lot of really good options um from from people uh i i think people people are just ready for change they're ready for a yeah. lot of change i mean yeah. when you change a gm and you change a coach and you change that much in a, a relatively short amount of time you are really asking for, for a lot from the fans. Um, yeah. Oh, and, and then, so Brian's last one is like, you asked who are your untouchables? Brian, oh, uh, yeah. somewhat, somewhat silly wrote, my untouchables are the places that no one's allowed to touch, like the bathing suit area. On, on a serious note, because we've been having a lot of fun jokes. Yeah, consent is important. 
you should know what what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with and what the people around you are and are not comfortable with and you should, you should teach that to your children yeah you, know, you should absolutely. you should practice that in, in your life if you don't already and if you're an adult listening to this god i hope that's not a thing i have to say to you um but you know again brian has a good point we, we you have to respect people's bodies respect their space you know cosplay is not consent as as they say in the nerd world um you know just because someone's wearing a costume at a convention does not mean you're allowed to touch them definitely not ask permission to take photos for people this is from experience this is from friends i know who cosplay ask not permission me. to take photos well I, I, you know, I never thought we'd talk about cosplay on the on National Predators po- podcast, but here we are. I mean, I can't be that surprised. I once went on um, 104.5 and had Dan Bradley ask me about um, comparing the Predators team to Dragon Ball Z characters. So, I mean, these things happen <laughs> when I'm around. Uh, yes, right. Um, well, uh, I think the the Predators are in for a really rough stretch here. They start a eight-game road trip tonight in Dallas. Uh, at Dallas tonight, on Tuesday, they go at Keller, at Carolina, Thursday at Carolina, Saturday at Tampa. I mean, to me, I'm looking at four losses there. If they get one win out of those, it's pretty impressive because um, those are four teams that are better than them. Now, Dallas is not playing very well either, so I will say that. Dallas is not, um, but they're, they're probably looking at a, a get-right game for, for Nashville, so... They're probably going to come out hungry and probably score some goals. So I wouldn't be surprised if Nashville loses to Dallas too. So, um, but if you're a Nashville Predators fan, you really kind of need to root for the team to start tanking. Uh, you really need them to climb the lottery draft results uh, percentages. Um, I think something like if you get around like the 15% mark, 18% mark, you're you're looking really really solid. I think Seattle has like an 11% chance and they're locked in at that. <laughs> so, uh, you get a better chance at that than Seattle. So, if you get around the 18-20% mark, maybe that's not even possible. It might not be that high. But anyways, um, you're you're looking at a really solid chance of getting a, a number 1 pick. Uh, you can check out all our hockey coverage at a2zsportsnational.com. You can follow me on Twitter at alexdarty one Follow link on Twitter at 3dlink. Any final thoughts? There is one one tweet I had a specific request for the show we did not get to address. Okay. Um so at silverjojo08 uh, did request that I talk about my favorite JRPGs. Those are Japanese role-playing games, video games. Ah, okay. So here's the thing. I have only ever finished one JRPG, actually, I guess technically three, but they are uh, the Golden Sun games. Those are the only ones I've ever finished. I've started several Final Fantasy games, never finished them. I've started Chrono uh, Chrono Trigger or Chrono Cross, whatever the first one is, and didn't finish it. I don't really like JRPGs, um, but I love, love Golden Sun. It's so fun. I love the little genies that you can mix and match and turn your guy in different classes. It's super cool and creative. Um... But no, it's not really my genre. I, I now know more about them than I did before. I there you go. Them. I'm here to educate. There you go. I, I remember playing Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy is a JRPG? Yes, it okay. is like maybe one of the okay. JRPGs, like Dragon Yeah, I, I remember and... playing that like maybe in high school because it was just very hyped um, on, my, on my PS2. Uh, I it was probably Final Fantasy. I don't know which one that would have been. Seven, I think it may have been for the original PlayStation. Okay, maybe it was that. Anyways, it was uh, it was pretty popular. I remember being very overwhelmed and not really... I wasn't really into RPGs at that point, so I was very overwhelmed. I didn't know what I was doing, and I never even came close to finishing it. So. Yeah, uh, JRPGs are very big. They have a lot of dialogue. Um, you will end up having to grind for experience. It's just the way that it works. All right. 
All right. We will see everyone next week. Hopefully uh, we have uh, even more juicy things to talk about, maybe even some major changes or trades. So, all right. We'll see everyone next time.